Sin acknowledges and pays respects to the traditional owners and elders, past, present and emerging, of the land in which we write, record and produce this podcast, the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. Engineers Assemble also acknowledges and pays respects to the traditional owners of the land in which our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Sovereignty was never ceded. to engineers assemble and engineering podcast where i sit down with uh, with industry leaders and talk about engineering it is the third episode i am here with adrian finney adrian finney is diploma in mechanical engineering in 1974 and has worked with holden and general motors apart from being a full time engineer he has contributed his time and knowledge for the development of formula sae australasia and right now he is the president of society of automotive engineers australasia before i start this interview i would like to thank mr john croft mr phil mimri mr kim chiong and mr greg sumak for helping me with this interview so let's start with namaskar good morning sir and welcome to engineers assemble 2020 thanks i got nice to be with you you have spent more than four decades in australian automotive industry How was your experience so far? So far, yeah, it sounds like it's never going to end, doesn't it? Uh, amazing, I think, is, is one word I would use. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, and uh, the only reason I left was because of the downturn in the automotive industry um, meant that there was uh, less jobs available, and uh, I took the opportunity to uh, take a package and retire. But uh, prior to that, I had a, I had a wonderful time. Um, we, we often said that at that, at that during that era that. Um, We're very lucky because we're actually being paid for uh, for fulfilling our lifetime dream of of, uh, of playing with cars, and for forty years I, I managed to do that, and uh, and get paid for it was just a bonus. Yeah. And you are still playing with cars with Formula C. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't stop, does it? And uh, now I'm I'm still playing with them. Uh, It's uh, it's a, been an amazing joy, journey and uh, doesn't look like finishing anytime soon. So uh, that's that's fantastic. I, I I really do enjoy my time and and my involvement. Yeah, I hope it doesn't finish anytime soon. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any any phone memory of any particular car or system which you designed and developed with your team? Yeah, it, it, it was, uh, that sort of period of time has so many memories. I guess the thing I was most proud of was um, a couple of times during my career, I actually managed to achieve what I uh, wanted to achieve, which which is I always uh, set myself targets. And uh, two two parts of my career, I wanted to become a automotive, uh, uh, sorry, automatic transmission engineer, and I did that for over ten years. So. When I landed that job within Holden, I was, I was very proud of myself and the fact that I set that target and and I was working on a part of the car which really interested me. And the other role I had, which I uh, really enjoyed, it was uh, manager of the proving ground. It was a, yeah. a somewhat different role to uh, straight engineering, 
Hmm. But managing the program was an absolute, uh, well, it was a privilege to, to be honest. It was an amazing three and a half years I had down there and uh, the people I work with, the, the culture, the opportunities, the experience, it's like no other. And, uh, you know, everyone outside of automotive would give their right arm, I think, to, uh, to actually just visit the place. And there I was managing it. I think uh, it was absolutely amazing experience and uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunities I was given. Sure, you should be. You have contributed more than like I can even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed myself. Whatever my contributions were, that's that's great. But uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at uh, at Holden, and uh, I'll do it all over again. To be honest, that uh, I had absolutely no regrets. Let's come to the current Australian automotive industry. So now that Holden has left and GM pulled their hands from Australian car market, what is the current market situation of the Australian automotive industry? Look, to be honest, uh, Ankit, uh, when, you, when you look at the numbers, um, Holden pulling out from, from the market perspective hmm. has not had a, a great effect. The, the, unfortunately, their volumes was declining year on year. And, and let's face it, right now, um, every car that was sold in Australia is imported, including, uh, at the end, the Holden car. So we have a very large range of um, manufacturers and a very large m range of models available to the Australian market, uh, which, uh, by the way, I think is one of our problems in, in surviving or, or in the automotive industry surviving here in Australia. So Holden pulling out and GM stepping away from Australia has not had a, a significant effect, to be honest, because the volumes were so low compared to the total market. I mm -hmm. think from a cultural point of view, I, I think... Um, We've lost something significant uh, with Holden disappearing. I mean, we, having been in the industry and been in the market for so long, um, they really were an, an iconic brand. Yep. And that part of that, that emotive part of the industry has gone. The the market, as I said, very little impact. The emotion and and the and the passion and, and the connection that people made through Holden, yeah. that's gone, and that is very unfortunate. Uh, even if the cars were imported from outside the Australia, the engineering was from the Australia. The brain power. Yeah, and look, yeah. So, what will happen to the brain power? Well, I think a couple of things. Um, obviously, um, there's been a gradual decline in yeah. the workforce at Holden. Hmm. Um, quite a few have gone across to other companies, such as Ford. Um, there's a lot of small in, small auto companies out there that are actually developing some really good stuff, and the engineers are moving to those those companies. Some have gone overseas. Um, GM America itself has, I know for a fact, has employed over the years uh, ex Holden uh, engineers, yep. and they are very much sought after because of their uh, their skill sets, their mm. ability to actually uh, design a car from the ground up uh, with way less numbers than any other country in the world, I believe. So they they have the, the workforce has moved slowly. Uh, it hasn't been a sudden cutoff. Um, also, I think, uh, and that's unfortunate, that uh, some of the, of those engineers will be lost to the automotive industry itself. And but that, to be honest, is the to the benefit of, of the industries they move into, whether mm. it be uh, medical or or, um, or food or, or any other industries that are actually growing. And keep in mind too that uh, although the automotive per se. Is, is not what it used to be. We still make trucks yeah. and trains yep. and, 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 and even planes to some extent. So there are there, there is manufacturing and significant manufacturing still going on in Australia and, and um, 
the expectation and, and our understanding is that a lot of those engineers are moving to those industries. So it's those industries gained, to be honest, and, and the automotive industry's lost. But that's that's the way it is. Yeah. Before I jump into the next question, I this particular question was given to me by Greg Sumar. Is what is so different about the Australian engineers? Yeah, I, I think the fact is that we've, we have to do more with less. So uh, traditionally, when you look at a, a large organisation, um, mm. overseas organisations, engineering organisations I'm talking about, um, they have a, a very large workforce and, they, and the industries become more specialised. Here in Australia, we have to do a couple of things. We have to take risks and uh, because we haven't got the time or the resources to to deep delve deep uh, into issues, so they have to sort of work on on their experience, their knowledge, and, and back themselves. That's uh, when I say risk. I mean obviously you need to test. You need to still need to test your design, but they are more creative. Um, they're allowed to be more creative because that's the culture I think of the Australian automotive mm. industry and Australian engineer. Uh, and so because they are not as, as specialised as perhaps other countries, that means that their their knowledge base is broader and yeah. they can do a lot more uh, aspects of the car. Yeah. Than just you know um, what where they started from day one. You know, a, a, an engineer who's responsible for a door in America might be a, a door specialist for the rest of his life. Here, he can do the whole car, he can yeah. do the whole body, and and I think that that's the big difference is that uh, that adaptability, I guess, is the right word to describe it. Yeah, that's. I hope that satisfies Mr. Schumacher's uh, question. <laughs> yes, definitely, it will. Uh, right now, industries are going towards the fourth revolution. So what are your thoughts, the impact of Industry 4.0 on the Australian automotive industry? I think it goes back to my original point about uh, flexibility hmm. and, and the fact that uh, we, we, we can, historically, we have always had a, a, a low volume base on yeah. which we, uh, we run it, right, we've always run our manufacturing. So having that Industry 4.0 as a model it's really just the next next step, and that's a logical step going from the hundred thousand cars a year, twenty thousand cars a year, to a more specialised um, market, and, and therefore the customer actually gets gets to decide the content. And yeah. Australian in, engineers and Australian industry are very good at low volume production and, and very adaptable. So it is a logical logical uh, direction in which we we can go. Definitely, that's what uh, John Croft told me when I interviewed him. That mm. Australia, yeah. Australia is definitely ahead when it, it comes to the low or uh, low volume manufacturing. Yeah, exactly. We've always been low volume compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. So uh, industry 4.2 is nothing nothing new, really. <laughs> yeah. Right now we are in the pandemic, so this will be the right question to ask. What will change, or what you expect to change in the automotive industry as a consequences of COVID nineteen? Look, it's hard to say. Uh, what I hope will change is that our flexibility and creativity will come to the fore and we will become more independent. I think that the sad thing when Holden, Ford and Toyota basically concurrently left mm. the automotive manufacturing industry, we lost a, a resource, a resource which this country barely needed. Yep. COVID showed us that we have to be independent as a nation. Yeah. And I really do hope that the lessons learned from that and the opportunities is that the government will come at, come in and support industries that are prepared to have a go, create new opportunities, new, new industries, new products, yep. and we become more self-sufficient as a nation. I think that's going to be really important mm. and that's going to have to be the number one lesson that we have learned from COVID is that we can't afford to rely on overseas countries yeah. in, such, in such a situation. And it'll be to our benefit 
to actually reinvent ourselves and create these industries, whether they be old industries done better or new industries, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So long as we we can become more self-sufficient and not, and rely less on overseas markets, I think we're going to be a much better off nation. Yeah, and that's my and that's my political advertisement for the day. All countries are going in that direction, other than to, uh, depending on a completely overseas supply chain, they create their own. Yeah. And then that, that's, it's got to be. I mean, it's okay to have a, a global marketplace. Yeah. But if you can't look after yourself, then who will? Definitely. Uh, during this COVID-19, you came up with uh, one unique project, which is Australian Police Car Project. Uh, let's talk about that. So my first mm. question is, why a police car? Why not any other type of vehicle, such as commercial vehicle or passenger vehicle or SUV? Well, I think this this police car project's been really interesting, and it's um, something which I, I think is is very viable. Hmm. If if two things happen, if the government gets behind it, yeah. and if in, if an industry picks it up. So what we went, what we looked at when we when we decided how to go about this uh, this project, we need to pick a car that was exclusive. If we, hmm. if we went to the marketplace and compete against all the Hyundai's and the Kias and the Mazdas and all the other cars out there hmm. that that, that make these cars on a high volume basis, it wouldn't work. So yeah. we had to find a we had to find a, a vehicle hmm. that was exclusive, mm-hmm. it was low volume, as we said before, but it was something which we could do, um, and, and do quite comfortably given the infrastructure, given our proving grounds available, our engineers, our, our uh, unused plants, etc. So the police car was the obvious one because it, it go it comes back to low volume and a targeted market. That relies on local governments, state mm-hmm. and federal, to support the the industry. So they would become the um, the purchasers of these vehicles. Yep. Uh, now, now we talk about a police car project. The other thing I just want to make clear is that it, it, that could morph into uh, emergency vehicles such as a- ambulances, mm-hmm. um, transport vehicles for um, for what, what else was there? The fire brigade, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the police car is a start point. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it can include other other vehicles, yeah. um, we'll have to wait and see. But it had to be of that genre. It couldn't be an SUV. It couldn't be a utility. It couldn't be a passenger car. Yep. Because that market's already flooded. We'd, mm-hmm. We wouldn't would never hope in competing against those. But make it a, make it a special car. Yep. I think we've got a chance. Yeah, that's right. And is it uh, is it an electric or hydrogen fuel cell based or a combustion car? Uh, yes to both those questions. We, we, we I mean, uh, fuel cell and electric are similar thing, similar sort of vehicles, right? Um, mm. Just a source of energy. Yep. Uh, they, they're both driven by electricity, mm. uh, ultimately. So, yes, it's going to be uh, electric. It's mm. going to be partly autonomous. And, and it's going to be built with futuristic uh, modern-day materials. We can't have a big uh, metal press shop. We can't have a uh, standard type of, of, of manufacturing process. It has to be low-volume, low-tooling cost, etc. And because it is low-volume, I think that is all those uh, parameters are achievable. Hmm. Uh, apart from this question, my question as an engineer is that, uh, is, is there any particular design which you are following right now? Like, no, that, that, that's a, that's going to be part of the process. We we have put together a team that's going to direct this this whole project. Mm-hmm. Uh, some spe- industry specialists and some some big hitters out there. Yeah. We're going to help us uh, 
define what this car is. So we don't have actually have, have a design at the moment. We have, we have a concept, we have an idea in our head, mm -hmm. and that will, that will be developed. What the car looks like will be developed by this group mm -hmm. as we bring more, as, as issues come and, we, and this evolves, then we'll bring more people into the, uh, into the little family yeah. and, and, and we'll define this vehicle using the right people and the, the right parameters. Um, we obviously part of that will be uh, reaching out there and seeing what the market actually wants. We have mm -hmm. an idea, mm -hmm. but we'd need to engage the market to make sure we get it right. So the process is going to be uh, like any other project. You start the concept and you develop yeah. it, and and things can change, and they, and they will. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, the design of the car is not set, but the but the concept is. Yeah. Uh, what sort of support are you expecting from the government? Well, that, that, this is the thing. Um, this is, this is absolutely critical for mm -hmm. this project to work for the government to, to support it. Yep. So our plan is to put enough information on the table to present to the government to say, give me some money, let us develop this concept, let's, let's go and do a feasibility study, let's, let's get all the parameters out there, let's make sure that, that it's going to work and by engaging the right people with the right resources, the right concepts, the right designs, it's going, then it may, it, we may get this thing to work. Without the government support, it's not going to go anywhere. So they are, I mean, if the government is not prepared mm. or doesn't want this project to work, then it, to be honest, it won't. Okay. And until now, what kind of response you have gone, uh, got from well, the well, government? Yeah, we haven't reached out yet. We're, we're at okay. the early stage. Mm -hmm. um, the next step will be to put together a, a proposal to the government. So yeah. uh, we have had a, a little bit of interest from the government, but mm. nothing other than than. We like your idea. Keep <laughs> us in, in keep us in the loop. In loop yeah. But but the next step is going to be to put some hard facts on the table. Yep. Some some ideas, and then a plan, uh, which will include funding. Hmm. So, how do you intend to go from a concept to production? And if production is your ultimate goal, or if not, what is the end pro end point from this? Production is the end goal. Um, mm. Now, we, we just be very clear. SAE is not going to build a car. That's not that's not 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 what this is all about. What we are doing is we're facilitating this idea. Mm. We're going to take it through to its natural conclusion, which obviously of, of what what a win looks like is a, a car being built on a production line. How we're doing that, as I said, is is to engage the right people. So we we put a um, request for um, people to be involved, an expression of interest, yeah, to. Uh, about 5,000 of our uh, contacts, mostly engineering, obviously. Over 130 people wrote back to us and said, we want to be part of this project. Now, that is, is a huge number, um, and there's a lot of skill sets that, that have actually come on board and said, we want to help, please tell us how. So the next step, as I said, is this group, this uh, steering group, yep. project steering group, we called it. <laughs> They're going to put together a plan, and that plan involves a creating a feasibility study. So that's that's how it's going to work. Yep. At every step of the process, we have to review and say, is it going to work? Mm. Uh, the, if the answer is no, then we have to stop. If the answer is yes, we keep going. We are very hopeful that it will keep going. And, and as I said, uh, our clear goal is to make this car. It's, it's, not, it's not just playing games. It's not, it's not just playing around and being an engineer as, <laughs> yeah. as engineers do. This is this is real-world stuff, and the outcome we're looking for is a production car. Low volume, albeit, yeah. uh, targeted, albeit, mm -hmm. but made in Australia, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So until now, how many companies have expressed their interest for this project? 
Look, it's hard to put a number on. I don't want to say how many companies. As I said, 130 people have expressed interest, and, and okay. they are from from varying uh, companies. And certainly, I'm not prepared to name the companies. So, I mean, that we have some some big players in there, and yeah. we have some very keen engineers in there. And what we're doing now is putting together a a story that that shows where our gaps are with our knowledge and mm. our experience and and our skills and. I think looking at what we have, and I won't answer the question of how many companies, but let's just put it this way: when you do a bomber material, hmm. you look at what it takes to build a car. We've got a, we've got about a uh, seventy to eighty percent success rate already. So we we have seventy to eighty percent of the bomb or okay. build material yeah. covered through engagement of certain companies. So so that and that is that's that's just stage one. So we are very confident that the Industry as a whole is very supportive of, of yep. what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. and we will now work on. Uh, we'll go and target other companies to fill those gaps, to, so we can complete the bill of material and have all aspects of the car covered, and covered by having the appropriate, not just a company, but the appropriate company or companies yeah. engaged and working with us to to develop this uh, through to the next stages. And and look, people, uh, companies are, are realizing that, uh, or we realize the companies have limited time, but. Mm. They see this as a worthwhile project and are prepared to contribute. Yep. And and let's just see how it plays out. We we we're doing this to get an end result, as I said, and uh, that will only happen if we get the the commitment and the engagement of both the industry and the government. We feel the the um, industry is on board. Hmm. Yeah. Government's gonna be next. Yeah. Okay. So that's the next step now. Yes. Yeah. The next step is to engage with the government and and mm. and develop the the next stage, which will be the uh, feasibility study. Mm. It's nice to see that somewhere it is kind of reviving the automotive industry. So, like, are you expecting revival of automotive industry in Australia? It's a nice idea, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I I think it's got to first of all, it's got to start off small. Mm. And it's got to start off slow because uh, we can't, we may never get back. I don't know. We may never get back to where it was before. Yeah. But if with with this product and, and this opportunity, it it could create a lot of energy and a lot of ideas and and a lot of other other um, companies could could jump on board and want to do a similar sort of car. So are we going to flood the market with Australian-made cars? Hard to say. Possibly not in, in the near future. Yeah. But. Does it offer us an opportunity and, and a, a platform to build on, and, and recreate a uh, automotive manufacturing industry? Absolutely. I think I think yeah. start small, but have have some big ideas and let's see where it goes. Yeah. How how I look this situation is that if you combine all, all the automotive industry, it is not there. But if you divide complete car into small parts like a wheel, like a platform, like motors, the industry mm. is somewhere there. Yeah, I can see some of the companies like H2X and uh, AEV Robotics are working on electric platforms. Then the companies like Carbon Revolution working on wheels and mm. developing on that. So it is somewhere there. Look- yeah, and that's the whole point. Is It's fragmented and it's small. Hmm. And we've already shown with that expression of interest that um, there are companies out there hmm. and put them all together and you can actually build a car. Yeah. Absolutely. And and uh, the industry is keen. The the, the the intelligence and and the experience is all out there. Yeah. It's what we're trying to do is harness that. Yeah. Harnessing the the skills and the knowledge and the enthusiasm. Hmm. And and you know if this thing works, then uh, who knows what uh, other companies will be inspired to do. 
Yeah. That's it with the with the police car. Uh, before I jump into Formula SAE, I would like to thank you and all the SAE committee members all around the world for providing us a platform where we can build something. And every year when we compete in the competition, we take home two most important things. The first one is the memories and the second one is the knowledge. And congratulations to SAE Australasia for successfully completing 20 years. Thank you. Yes, that's it's, it's an amazing effort. Um, this year has been very challenging, but but yeah, um, it's been an amazing journey. I've been there for all but one year. I missed the first year hmm. um, in 2000, but from 2001 through to now, uh, I've been involved with this Formula SAE project, and um, it's, it's grown incredibly well. Um, we, we maxed out uh, a year or so ago with 35 teams. We started yeah. with six. We started yeah. with six teams. We uh, maximum has been 35, uh, including uh, quite a few overseas teams. So, and I think the fact that it, it has survived and and provided the uh, the teams and the students with a lot of knowledge and skill, um, that's yeah. the most for me. That's the most satisfying aspect of it is that we are actually providing a service and opportunity for engineers to develop their skills and become better engineers and yeah. uh, hopefully have uh, better careers from that. Yeah, definitely. I have been part of SAE for over six years now. So the most important thing was for me is that I started as like, I will going to learn the skills. I will going to learn the engineering. But the reason why I still connected with it is that is the feeling that gives me the cars when, when the first, the car engine revs, when the car goes on the wheels, when the car goes around the track, that feel cannot be replaced by any other thing. Mm, very satisfying, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So uh, right now we are in pandemic, and this year we are not going to go physically for uh, Formula SA Australasia. So, what is the structure of this year's FSA Australasia event? Yes, well, it's been a challenge, and for the first six months of the year, we, we tried to look at how we could run a full event, mm. albeit with reduced numbers. Um, in the end, we just couldn't do a track. Event we 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 couldn't we couldn't with the COVID restrictions we couldn't get the teams to travel we couldn't get the teams to to socialise um, you know social distancing became too inhibitive so we decided about two months ago to say okay let's let's forget about the all the track events hmm. forget about going to Winton with it with cars so what's left so what we decided to do is that there's enough interest from the teams to to run our static events design cost and presentation yeah to that. Uh, we also had some inquiries about whether or not we could work with teams to help them with their technical inspection. Mm. Uh, and and also, then, then from that, um, some teams said, well, can you help us with uh, critiquing our design? Can you can you come come and see us at our universities and look at our car and, and tell us how we're going with our design and, 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 um, and give us some feedback? So from that, we decided to have a competition. So mm. competition involves the three static events of design, mm. cost, and presentation, and that will be running pretty much as usual. The only difference is we're going to, uh, with the uh, design event, we're going to focus, because because teams don't have a car built and ready, yeah. we've, we've suggested that to the teams that to nominate any aspect, any systems within the car they want to focus on. So mm. anything that, that is either new or improved, or something which is simply of interest to the, to the teams, and they want to be uh, critiqued for mm. for that aspect of the design. 
So that became the trigger uh, and, and the criteria for the three events. So each event has to focus on any any nominated new uh, design which they, the, the, the team is uh, pursuing for next year, for 2021. So it mm -hmm. gives them a chance 12 months earlier for these uh, technical experts, the judges, to give uh, some really solid feedback to the teams as to how they're going, give them some suggestions on, on what where they can uh, perhaps improve on their design, improve on their approach. But also uh, allows the teams to be judged on just how well they're engaging and, and, and the processing process they follow when it comes to good design practices. So it starts with design and then the cost becomes a product of that mm. and the presentation event, which, uh, as you know, is, is all about a uh, selling the selling the concept to a fictitious um, um, backing company or fund fund company, and so it gives the students an opportunity to actually uh, present in front of a board, if you like, which is you know just part of the learning curve. So all three of those events are linked to the um, designed or the, the nominated system hmm. that the students are focused on for their design. So it's to us, it's an opportunity for the teams who wish to still be involved this year. To, to have a to have them have themselves judged by these as I say by these technical experts, give them some feedback, and hopefully they can go away and spend all of next year uh, fixing any uh, any issues they might have, um, tweaking the car, redesign if they have to, and come back next year big and stronger, having had the opportunity to uh, to, to get uh, well two years of development, yeah. but also to have that development assessed and critiqued by. Um, experts so that's going to be the the, the um the basically the, the, the framework of this year's event hmm. um that's that's to me and uh, we talk about the importance of formal essay to students careers and, and, and their technical development it does keep that that development alive and, and going yeah um albeit not in the in the full in the full um parameters that we are used to with, with a formal event but it does give some some partial uh, mm. opportunities to to uh, keep this learning uh, opportunity going. Yeah, sure. So the business presentation will be focused on that particular system. So the teams will try. No, to... okay. no, it won't. It, it will include it, mm. but it won't be focused on it. So with the present business presentation event, um, the students will have to still do their normal presentation of costing and manufacturing and mm. and, and uh, marketing, all that sort of stuff. Yep. But when it comes to features of the vehicle, mm. then clearly they have to have to mention and, and demonstrate their knowledge of the new systems that, that have been declared for the design event. So pretty much that event is all but untouched from other years. The only difference is that they need to include that uh, that uh, specific changes in design. Yeah, okay. So uh, when you mentioned uh, systems or particular component, does it include any list? Like a system, what I mean by the system is that the vehicle dynamic system or uh, or it can be any small component, component as well. Correct. It can be a component, it can be a system. Mm. In fact, we are part of the process is that uh, the teams have to nominate what that system is. Okay. SAE don't, don't nominate it. SAE mm. don't force the teams to focus on any part of the car. It's mm. entirely up to the team. But the team has to nominate um, so many weeks prior to the event, mm. and, they ha and they have to make sure that they present that aspect of the vehicle yeah. in, all th in all three events. That's a... Um, Review it and, and critique it and talk about it, explain it, 
um, but it's entirely up to the teams as to what that system or systems are. Yeah, okay. So there is no criteria for how important or how critical that system might be? No, no. Okay. And that, that's, that's a little bit of a misnomer. Some of the teams feel that unless they're making some revolutionary change, yeah. they can't win the event. Not true. Okay. It'll, it's, going to, it's going to come down to good engineering practices and mm -hmm. good knowledge of the team members yep. of what they've done, why mm -hmm. they've done it, how they went about it. So it is not to do with the complexity of the system. Hmm. Is to do with the performance of the team members yeah. and how well how well they follow good engineering practices and how well they explain that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what is the marking structure for these elements? Uh, marking structure basically it's not going to change uh, hmm. other than the cost. The, the design will be the same. Hmm. The uh, presentation will be the same. Yep. But the cost is normally the cost has a, a an aspect of the total cost in yep. the in the scoring system. That's yep. not the case this time. So mm. all the other parameters for cost judging and cost scoring mm. will be the same, um, such as the quality of their um, bill of material, the quality of their report, how uh, have they been thorough in um, in developing the cost, have they included all processes within that? Hmm. Or have, been, have there been any omissions? Um, but the, when they do their cost report, it will be focused on the nominated system. So going back to the design event, where they nominate the system that they're going to focus on, hmm. that system needs to be um, properly costed, but yeah. not the whole car, because teams won't have a whole car. So yeah. that, that, that part of the judging is irrelevant this year. Next year we go back to normal, but for this year the mm. total cost of vehicle will not be part of this scoring system. Yeah. Okay. And if I am not wrong, uh, this year there will be only combustion. Uh, there will be no difference between combustion winners and electric. They all will be combined. Yes, yeah, okay. because because the um, when, you, when you look at the scoring system, mm. um, and this often comes through with the cost event, with the, the total cost. Mm. Because the total cost is excluded from the marking, mm. it means that it doesn't matter whether you're an electric vehicle or an internal combustion vehicle. Yeah. Um, the, the, the scoring of points will be exactly the same. Mm. Yeah. So, so therefore, there's no need to differentiate the, 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 uh, the two classes. Mm -hmm. This will carry on for the next event or there will be a difference for the 2021? No, we go we go back to normal in twenty twenty one. Okay. The, because the this different judging criteria comes back in twenty twenty one. For mm -hmm. this year, it, it it's a one off. It's it's just for this year, just because of COVID, and just because it's um it's on online rather than um in person. In the event. person. Yeah. So maybe uh, you just answered it, but just for the clarification, what are the judging criteria for these as events? Judging criteria is is exactly the same as other years. Hmm. So, okay. so we're looking for uh, in, in the cost event. We're looking for thoroughness and completeness. Yep. Uh, in the design event, we're looking for good engineering practices and the knowledge of all team members for that that those systems they're they're responsible for, and for the presentation, how well they argue their case, how thorough they argue their case for funding uh, yep. from this fictitious uh, <laughs> company. Yeah. Um, it's their presentation skills. So, all the judging criteria is exactly the same as any other year. The mm. scoring system is slightly different, as I said, mm. but the criteria has yes. not changed. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So that answers my question for FSAE. 
So now let's move on to the last segment, which is one of my favorite, where <laughs> I, yeah, where I ask people like you for the advices. Hopefully, <laughs> your career lasted more than my my age, and I'm sure you have encountered bad times. So how did you manage it? And any particular time which you can share? Yeah, look. Um... It's a really interesting question, this one, because uh, you, you, your career, when it, when it spans that long, whether it's in the one job or, or, or 20 jobs, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have good days and bad days. Yeah. I mean, I, I went through a time when Holden almost went broke and we yep. they were bailed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, went, I went through a time when GM mm-hmm. did go broke yeah. and, and, and the US government bailed them out. So I've been through times when we've had really bad car sales we've, we've, you know, designed cars that didn't meet the market expectations. All these things, um, that you have your ups and downs. I, it's, it's really hard to explain because it's such a personal thing, how you deal with it. I do remember um, one, uh, one of my managers um, very early in my career, he said to me, I was in his office one day sitting there with his uh, big uh, braces and big cigar and you know, smoke in the office in those days. And he said to me, you know, you know Adrian, um, Unless you have a love for cars, my experience is you won't last long in this industry. Yeah. And I think that was the that was the thing is that I had a love for the industry. Mm. Um, I, I love working with the cars. I love the the um, I don't know, just the feeling and and the satisfaction you get from working in the industry. And and you think you know yeah it's tough now, but it's going to get better because you've experienced better and and you just wait for those times and you work hard yeah. towards getting back to those to those days. And um, you know, the funny thing I was, you know, in thinking about this question, I I, I remember there's um, one thing I always was amazed at is that when you become responsible for design of a car, albeit mm. a small part of it, yeah, you, you think, wow, how important is this? What I'm doing is so important. What I decide and what I release, it, it's going to be two, three hundred thousand cars with my design. Yeah, two or three hundred thousand. Customers out there relying on me, yeah, and and, and, and my judgment. Yeah, I thought, wow, how how awesome is that? Yeah, and how satisfying if you get it right, <laughs> and you want to get it right, you want to get it right. So, so my my advice is, um, if you want to survive in, in any job in, in the industry, mm. is to make the most of, of your opportunities. Really enjoy your successes, yeah, yeah. and work hard when things are tough because. You know that it's going to it's going to get better. Yeah, the time will change. Things will change uh, because yeah. sometimes uh, things happen outside your control. Yeah, and and you are certainly um, there for the ride for that period. But uh, other times you can actually influence uh, how how a company or, or your area or, or whatever it is your part of your of your product yeah. can can actually be be part of the um, the solution. And that's that's never give up. Never ever give up because uh, it will get better. Yeah. So uh, right now, many graduates or future graduates are are anxious about their future. What would be your advice for them? Because the entire world is going through a pandemic. Yeah, and it comes back to that point I made about things will get better. Um, look, things you can control and things you can't. Um, end of the day, um, mm. certainly in Australia, we need good. 
when we talk about here, engineers. We need good engineers. Regardless of what product they work on, we need good engineers. Yeah. And there will always be a, a, a career for a good engineer. There will always be good times and bad times. We get that. But it's not gloom. It's not all gloom and doom. There are opportunities. There are companies. There are jobs out there yeah. that need you. That need what you have to offer. So don't give up. Don't, don't think there's no no job at the end of all this. Um, mm. There will be. Uh, sometimes it'll be a little bit harder than others to actually find that job. Yeah. But you will get a job and you will have a career and you will enjoy yourself. So um, things you can't control, don't worry about it. Things you can control. Work hard to work optimize hard it, yeah. and there will always be a need for good engineering. Engineers are the salt of the earth. Yeah, there will be no time where engineers won't be needed. Exactly. Yeah, and and it hasn't changed. It doesn't matter what what uh, what field you're in. Um, yeah. There's always going to be a need for engineers, so long as you can be adaptable. Um, mm. Don't don't pigeonhole yourself and say yeah. I'm going to be this sort of engineer and that's it. Yeah. Um, op if opportunities come along and you can change your direction, but still you use your engineering skills, mm. then then grab it because yeah. um, you know it, it, it makes for an exciting and, and a varied career. Don't yeah. don't stick. You don't have to stick to one field, one yeah. job, one company. There's opportunities if if you look for them. Go be stubborn. Yeah. So this might be the last question for this interview. Uh, what specific skills do you recommend for the future generation? Which will play an essential role for their career. Well, I think you have just to look at what, where technology is going, and, mm. and and what what is going to be the the growth industries. What's what's what what are companies going to be wanting? Um, we can talk about whether it's electronics or yep. robotics, that sort of stuff. That that's something engineers can decide for themselves. Mm. But the main thing, as I said, you have to be flexible. So yep. keep an eye out. Do do your mechanical engineering. If you can do a second degree, good on you um, in electronics or computer studies or something. But don't stop learning, um, mm. whether it's at your degree stage or once you get a job. Um, look at what the uh, the market needs. Look at what the, the job needs and keep developing yourself. And uh, so that's what give me my best advice. Don't, don't sit still. Don't, don't think because you got your degree, yeah. you're home and hose. Give me a job. Give me some... Uh, you mean a challenging job? Yeah. Make me the managing director tomorrow. That's not going to happen. You have yeah. to really work hard at it and yeah. and keep learning because um, every day is an opportunity to learn some some new skill or some uh, to take on some new knowledge. So that to me is is the best advice uh, I, I've yeah. ever given. I give I give my kids that advice. I give I give my people who uh, work for me that yeah. advice, and uh, I try to do the same myself. Is um, don't stop learning because. Um, Yep. The world's not going to stop for you. Yeah. Keep on learning something different from your field of study. Yeah, but also uh, make a target. So yeah. have a look at where, where you are, hmm. where, you, where you want to get to, yeah. and what and what skills you need to get there. I mean, that that's, you can't just roll along. You can't just do a course and think, well, that's going to that's gonna be fun. I'll, I'll do that. Make sure what you do, what you're, what you're learning yep. is relevant to where you want to get to or hmm. where you need to get to. That's the end of this interview. Thank you so much, sir, for giving your time and sharing your knowledge. I'm sure this will help many young engineers. Well, it's very nice to have a chat, Ankit, and uh, we'll 